converging at that very point. It was not a place to stand, not in the middle of the friends and family who were returning to the pier and the passengers making their way up to the deck. And so the two of them were carried forward in separate streams of movement. Laura thought to herself, I'll make it better, I'll wave. She saw herself in her mind's eye on deck, blowing kisses borne backwards. And she was leaning on the rail, looking for that grey fur hat in the crowd, when a woman beside her stepped right onto her foot. Sorry, the woman said without turning, and Laura found herself looking at the curve of a cheek and curls of hatless hair rather than out to the pier. Why is leaving so... the woman said, her last word lost in the scream of a whistle that rent the air. Her gesture was not lost, however. She seemed to sum up and then to dismiss the jagged Manhattan skyline as she brought her hands together and flung them apart. The view was full of sunshine and watery reflections, but Laura could not make out where Mother was standing, and she narrowed her eyes at the knots of people pulling her coat tight around her neck. Then the wind was sharp in her face as the ship began to move, and she took a deep breath. The voyage had begun. The woman next to her was wearing only a cloth coat, open over her dress, and a drab knitted scarf, yet she didn't seem cold. Laura turned to look at her again, but she couldn't have been more surprised when the woman turned too and said in a matter-of-fact tone, "'How about getting a drink?' Of course, Laura had imagined meeting people on board. No young woman could step onto a ship that year and not think of Eleanor and her doomed on-board romance in Till My Heart Is Still, which Laura had read in a creased paperback lent to her by a school friend. But she had not imagined such a quick advance into acquaintanceship with a woman who did not seem quite her kind.' A part of Laura wanted to go on standing on deck, taking the measure of her solitude and the start of her journey, but the woman's nonchalance was appealing. So Laura found herself following her into a low-ceilinged, airless lounge on the floor below. As soon as she saw the people, mainly men, at the tables, she paused at the door, but the woman walked forward without hesitation, putting her purse and a book she was holding on a table and sitting down in one of the worn, tapestry-covered chairs. When the waiter came up to them, the woman ordered a beer immediately. Laura was slower. She could not pretend that ordering alcohol would be natural for her, and she was thirsty and tired. A cup of coffee, please, and a glass of water. Funnily enough, I was here yesterday, not on the boat, on the pier, welcoming those boys home. You mean? The boys they brought back from Spain, heroes one and all. They were brave, weren't they? Laura's comment was uncertain. She came from a home that was so lacking interest in politics that her father rarely even took a daily newspaper. He voted Republican, she was pretty sure, but she had never felt able to ask him about his views or why, whenever he mentioned Roosevelt's name, he sounded so disparaging. As for her mother, an English woman who was proud to understand little about America, She often shook her head about what the world was coming to, or expressed grave misgivings about one leader or another, but she had never, in Laura's memory, stated any positive political view. Growing up in a home so insulated from the world had left Laura ignorant, but also curious, so she responded in a vague but friendly manner to the woman's statement about the heroism of the Abraham Lincoln Brigade. The woman continued to talk about one of the boys who had come home and his experiences at the hands of the fascists in Spain. No, Laura said at the right moment. How, how terrible! 
but she could tell that her responses were limp. There are lots of them still over there, you know, desperate to get home. I've been helping to raise the money. Shall I tell you something else? Such a strange coincidence. I've been thinking and thinking about it. The last person I know who sailed this way on this actual ship was a stowaway. This guy wanted to get to Spain. He didn't have a cent, so he crept in behind a wealthy family, just as if he were one of the entourage, and then kept walking once he was on board. Really? Again, Laura's expression was encouraging, although she was unsure of the right thing to say. Where did he sleep? He said there was a steward involved, sympathetic to the cause, I guess, who slipped him food, too. It's hardly believable, said Laura, whose imagination was suddenly stirred by the thought of a lonely man attempting invisibility on a crowded ship. She leant forward to ask more, but just then they were interrupted.